values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Thanks for being here this morning. It is a very fast-moving news day as more information is coming out. You just heard Jeff update in the news about the suspect. Zion William Teasley is his name. He's a 22-year-old young man. Apparently, he was a United States Marine. And at 22 years old, having spent a couple of years in jail, um, that must have been a pretty quick stint in the United States Marine Corps. But he did enlist at some point. I'm sure we'll hear more about his military career and why he left the Marines. But he was a United States Marine. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you some information from what's called the Form 4. It's a probable cause form, and, and the Form 4 talks about the process, and it's pretty detailed about the process of how it led them to this person to be the suspect and then what happened after they made contact with him and throughout this investigation. So um, some of the Im- information is fairly disturbing. So I'm just warning you that some of it's a bit disturbing, but I want to walk through just a couple of things that we now know from the Form 4. Um, April 30th, the post-mortem medical examination of Lauren's body was conducted by the Maricopa County Office of the Medical Examiner. Upon conclusion of the examination, the pathologist noted 15 stab wounds throughout her upper body and numerous superficial abrasions. The deepest wounds to Lauren's body were approximately three inches deep. Apparent defensive wounds were observed on the victim's hands and forearms. Um, Just to picture the last moments of this young woman's life, it's just horrible. Um, I'm jumping forward. Records checks showed that Zion was on probation in Maricopa County. Records also indicate Zion's listed residence and his place of employment were both within a mile of where the suspect was first observed following Lauren near 68th Street and Princess toward the trailhead. Um, I'm skipping through. Um, at 1950, 1954 hours, Zion was read his Miranda warnings. When asked if he understood his rights, Zion replied, uh, replied yes. During his interview... Zion spoke about his life growing up as a Christian and his internal struggle with his own sexuality. He was concerned about the salvation of his soul due to his thoughts. Um, he verified his home address. Um, he, When asked why police had arrested him, he stated, there's no freaking way I'm here for a sex crime. I haven't been with anyone in a long time. Um, he was shown an, uh, an an aerial photograph surrounding the scene of where this happened. He was shown an aerial photograph of, of himself and said that it was him. Um, he said he recognized Lauren from the news but and stated that he wanted to look like her. When asked if he planned to murder Lauren, Zion replied, I am definitely not the person who plans to kill another person. If I was going to do something like that, it would not, it wouldn't be premeditated. So I mentioned earlier in talking about this before we saw or had the form four about the possibility of um, a mental health situation. Um, This leads to so many more questions. As I read off earlier to you, um, his criminal history is is different. Uh, What I mean by that is what you get charged with many times and what you plead to are two different things. But there seems to be a very big disparity here. And I don't know. Again, I'm not – this isn't Monday morning quarterback. This is general questions when you have information. Here's what he was arrested for. This was in the original crime that he went to prison for. Charged with one count of burglary, a count of armed robbery with a deadly weapon, four counts of robbery, 
Five counts of kidnapping, one count of aggravated assault, one count of disorderly conduct with weapons. He ended up pleading to disorderly conduct, armed robbery, and one count of robbery. He was sentenced to three years. Now, those documents only show disorderly conduct charge on that document. But we know that what he pleaded to were those three other charges, disorderly conduct, armed robbery, and one count of robbery. He got credit for time served and was released early because he's on probation. So now it opens the door to a lot of other questions. Um, If we're talking about a mental health issue, and and I'm not saying this because he was struggling with his sexuality. I'm saying that he was struggling with whatever he was struggling with to to the degree that he says in the interview, I wanted to look like her, and he stabbed her 15 times. Says he doesn't remember meeting her before. So did he just in his walking around come in contact with her on a hiking trail and sees a beautiful young girl that he wants to look like with his internal struggles and attacks her and stabs her 15 times? If you've got if – if that's in your mind, if you're struggling mentally, did they understand he had some mental health struggles when he was put into jail for the first time? Why isn't or was there mandatory um, counseling for him to try to deal with whatever it was he was dealing with? Why would you plead such serious charges and five counts of kidnapping down to something with just a three-year sentence and then give them time served? Are there Were there mental health issues with him that were known? Is this – when you think about it, again, I'm, I'm going to get heat, but I, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying because he struggled with his sexual identity and how it conflicted with his Christianity or maybe even being a United States Marine and so he struggled. There's a lot of people that struggle with those decisions, especially when they're young in life, of what you are inside and what people see outside. So I'm not saying that issue – is a mental health issue. But if it has got you so confused that you lash out so violently that you murder somebody, because if you read the form four, this is what it says he said. Is this something that was known before and why wasn't anything done? Now, again, if there is an answer, and there may be, there might be a solid answer to why all of those charges were originally um, levied against him. And why what he pleaded to in the end was much less. But the idea that you're going to get time served in jail and then you're going to get let out early because there's a lot of violence in this. Armed robbery, dangerous weapons, kidnapping. There's, this, is, uh, this is someone that's got a, 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 got a violent side. And then you spend time served in jail. We don't know if there was any kind of mental health counseling that was required or had been done. And now we're finding out he crosses – apparently he crosses paths with someone on a hiking trail, wants to look like her is what he said, and stabs her 15 times. This is – it is just such a sad time. You know, who could have intervened with this young man? Did family members understand that he had issues like this? Uh, we're going to find out in the coming days. This is just the infancy of this investigation. This Form 4 is just the initial part of this. We're going to find out more in the coming days. I asked earlier about mental health stuff, and you look at what's happening here. And, and the reason why I asked that question then was you have somebody that is randomly stabbed as many times as she was on a hiking trail. That's different. Uh, Just something is going on here. Um, 
Coming up in a moment, uh, we are going to have to talk about the economy and we're going to talk about elections and um, the the lawsuit that is moving through the courts on election integrity. All this stuff's coming up next. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Obviously, the shocking news today of what's happening um, with the arrest of uh, Zion Teasley is uh, is kind of rocking our community, and I imagine it's going to be one of those national stories because the murder of this young woman was a national story, and, 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 and I don't want to lose sight of that. We are looking into this young man. We are looking into the possibility of why he did what he did, and and him talking about his struggles with his sexuality, him telling the police that he wanted to look like her, him talking about his Christian faith, the fact that he was a United States Marine, at least for a short time. That's the other part that's weird about this. He's 22 years old and was arrested in 2020. Um, and unless he was in the Marines when that happened, which there's no indication of how long of a stint did he do in the military um, and why was he not still in there? All of these questions are ones we're going to answer. But what I don't want to lose sight of is right now there is a community of people that starts with all of us, you know, from way on the outside of the concentric circle, concentric circles that are heartbroken that this young woman's life was snuffed out. And it seems like absolutely senselessly. Um, but those concentric circles get smaller and smaller and smaller. And when you get to the center it is the immediate family members who not only will live the rest of their lives without her, but are seeing the same things we are seeing about her final moments. And I, I can't imagine, for the life of me, I cannot imagine what would be um, a worse situation. That you know that the person you love, that everybody that knows her said what a beautiful person she was inside and out. She was so fun to be with and, and just seemed to be have everything in life you would want and her whole future in front of her snuffed out in just such a violent way. 15 stab wounds, defensive wounds on her hands and forearms, abrasions. This was a, an, a violent attack. Now, as it appears now, according to his statements, he didn't know her and couldn't remember if he had seen her. But I don't know if that's the end of the story either. We may find out differently when they start going through his cell phone. Was he following her on social media? You know, and they're going to do this investigation to find out if there was more of a connection. But this idea that um, you know this family is going to live with the heinous crime that's happened, but the questions that I have, the the, the just mind-boggling questions that I have about this, and um, you know this guy being arrested for violent crimes. If you look at his history of the things he's been arrested for, then his conviction was just pleaded down to almost nothing. Then he did time served. And they gave him credit for time served. Then he was released early. So, you know, we talk about we do talk about prisons and we should. But what about probation? What What, what is going on there? And are we safe when someone is released on probation? If you've been put in prison for a violent set of crimes and what he was originally accused of and what they allowed him to plead to are two different things. But the underlying 
charges, underlying crimes remain the same, and people involved in the justice system understand them. The prosecutors know, the defense attorneys know, the judges know, and what ends up being on paper to try to give somebody a chance to fix their life or whatever is a different story. But when you let somebody out, did they do their due diligence? Is this something they should have known? Did they know? Was part of the reason why they let him plead down to some of these other charges was because he had some issues going on with mental health? I don't know the answer to any of those questions, but it's opening the door to all of them. Are we going to hear answers? This is the problem that I think most people have is that, yes, there are going to be people that jump to conclusions all over the place. I'm not trying to jump to conclusions. I'm asking valid questions. If you have a young man and um, uh, I want to look uh, again, you have a young man who originally was charged with a count of burglary, a count of armed robbery. And now this isn't this crime. This was the one he went to prison for, went to jail for back in 2020. A count of burglary, a count of armed robbery uh, with a deadly weapon, four counts of robbery, five counts of kidnapping, one count of aggravated assault, and an account of disorderly conduct with weapons. If you have that long list of charges and you end up pleading to disorderly conduct, armed robbery, and a count of robbery, and you're only given a three-year sentence, there has to be a reason why that happened. There has to be a reason why our probation system in Arizona thought he was safe enough to put back on the street. And I think the people of Arizona just deserve an answer to those questions. I'm not being out of line. You released this guy to the public. There had to be a reason you came to that conclusion. There also had to be a reason that when he was charged with all of those crimes, you pled to a small number of them. These are reasonable questions that should be asked and they should be answered. And I would imagine that there are members, and I'm sure our KTAR news team is doing the same thing. I am absolutely sure that they are doing the same thing here, asking questions that are necessary to ask. Coming up in a moment, we are going to talk a little bit about the border, and we also are going to end up talking schools before the hour is out. And uh, we'll do it all next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And don't forget, you have an opportunity to get registered to win Suns playoff tickets as they take on the Denver Nuggets. Text the word TICKET to 411923. We call a name in the 11 o'clock hour. The afternoon show calls a name in the 4 p.m. hour. If you hear your name, you have 10 minutes to call to get registered for those tickets. If you want to be on that list of names, just text the word TICKET to 411923. Um, let's talk about the border. Arizona Democratic Congressman Ruben Gallego has put out a statement saying that the Biden administration needs to do more for the communities in southern Arizona that are struggling to deal with what is going to happen with the increase in traffic when Title 42 expires. There is a video that is absolutely mind boggling from El Paso, Texas. So I want to read what what Congressman Gallego said, and I I want to then clarify something. I want you to hear what he said. I've heard directly from the leaders of our border communities. It is abundantly clear that they, through no fault of their own, are simply unequipped to handle the surge in migrants that are expected when Title 42 ends. They need tangible resources like buses, beds, personnel. 
and funds to both process asylum claims in an orderly way and keep their communities safe. It is imperative the Biden administration work directly in real time with these communities to support them in every way they need. Um, I asked the question earlier if you are seeing two diametrically opposed members of Congress in Juan Siscomani in southern Arizona, a a pretty staunch Republican, and a Democrat like um, Congressman Gallego, Ruben Gallego, um, and they're, they're basically echoing those sentiments. Here's where I think the difference lies, and this is a question I have, and I think it's a valuable and viable question for Congressman Gallego. If you see these communities about to be overrun, will you jump on legislation and co-sponsor legislation that would shut down the border? Would you redirect more resources than 1,500 troops? Would you be a part of a piece of legislation if Congressman Siscomani or any of the other Arizona Republicans were to walk into your office and say, I have a piece of legislation that is pro-border security, that would shut down the border, that would uh, turn people away, that would send a clear message to these other countries that if you cross our southern or our northern border, but because we're in Arizona in the southern border, if you cross our southern border illegally, you will will not be allowed to stay. You will be turned around, making real security measures, putting a border wall where where possible, more technology where it's necessary, more people on the border for the Border Patrol to catch. You know, they had 51,000 people that they captured. This is Border Patrol, not CBP, Border Patrol, 51,000 in a seven-day period with about 17,000 gotaways. We know those statistics are accurate. Would... Congressman Gallego sign on to a piece of legislation that would stop that from happening. I mean, a real teeth in it border security issues. So we wouldn't have to supply. I'm not saying that we're not going to now or it's not necessary for what's happening right now. But in the future, we would not need buses and all of the supplies that you're talking about if there weren't these people that just had the ability to walk across the border. Would he sign on to that piece of legislation? That's a great question because I can tell you that Congressman Siscomani would absolutely do that. That there would absolutely – and again, someone that is – Congressman Siscomani is an immigrant. He is a Mexican immigrant. He was naturalized in 2006. And I believe that he is the only Mexican-born Republican in the House of Representatives. First one from Arizona. And it is a very good question. Would we now, because I think that voters, I think you and me and independent voters out there and Democrat voters should all get together and we should be saying to all of our representatives, you need to get something done here. I want you to hear this NBC News report about El Paso. When you hear what's going on there, it is, it's staggering. At dawn, the migrants covered in blankets stretch for blocks. And tonight, El Paso is under a state of emergency because city officials say they don't have enough resources to handle this. Are you desperate? I'm very desperate. Maria Angel from Venezuela tells us, next to her 10-year-old daughter, I don't have anything to eat. I don't have anywhere to sleep, she says. Today, we saw that desperation as migrants here scramble for food and water. We were here several months ago, and there appear to be many more migrants now. The difference is striking. This group extends all the way around this church for several city blocks. 
you hear that noise in the background as people were storming a truck full of supplies, a box truck full of supplies in El Paso, Texas. The people in Arizona are ill-equipped for what's about to happen. We've got 1,500 additional troops across the entire border. That's a very small number. But you've got people making statements, but are they willing to act? We understand that this is a federal issue, that the president's policies have dictated much of what's happening at the border right now. But the Congress has the power to create legislation that could stop this from happening. Will they? Will we now see, because you've got uh, Senator Sinema, who is an independent, saying, being very critical of the federal government and the border issue. To some degree, we've heard Senator Kelly, who's a Democrat, be critical of the federal government as a whole and this administration for their actions on the border. You now are hearing a Democrat in Ruben Gallego saying that they need more supplies and more needs to be done. But are the are they willing to really put forward legislation that fixes the problem? Where it's law that goes to the president's desk and then you force the president to either sign it or explain a veto of it, one or the other. Are they willing to do it? And I think it's a great question that many of us should be asking of our elected officials. I know who represents me for where I live right now. I used to live in the district that was represented by Congressman Gallego. He's not my my congressman anymore. But if you live in his district, isn't that a great question for his office? I understand your desire for more supplies because this is going to end in a, less than a week. But are you willing to get legislation out there to send a clear message to these other countries that if you come here illegally, it's not going to be good for you? It's not going to end well for you? I think it's a great question. Uh, in a moment, the Phoenix Union High School District, rejected by a vote of four to two yesterday, reinstating school resource officers on campus. Also, the Washington Elementary School District will now allow Arizona Christian University students back in their classrooms. And they're going to pay a lot of money because of what they did. We're going to talk about both coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Appreciate you being here with us. A couple of big stories in education in Arizona, at least I think they are significant. One of them is that the Phoenix Union High School District went against the recommendation of the safety committee. Now, the safety committee doesn't make the rules. The safety committee recommends to the full board what they should do when it comes to safety. And so studying everything in the Phoenix Union High School District, they decided that the best practice would be to bring school resource officers back onto the campus. Uh, the committee, um, one of their board members has uh, been quoted as saying that there is no uh, effing way there'll ever be cops back on our campuses. And uh, so this contemplation didn't seem like it was much of a contemplation. They tabled the vote not long ago, and last night in a 4-2 to two vote, they voted against it. Now, they can revisit it. They can always bring resource officers on. But right now, they have multiple options that include just having security officers on their campuses. Um I want you to hear a little bit of this. This is from ABC 15. 
The school board members, they voted four to two against that student safety committee's recommendation made last month to bring those school resource officers back. But that does not mean that this is a deal that is over. It's just four to two on that recommendation. But next month in their June meeting, they have to talk about this again and they can also say, hey, let's go ahead and do those school resource officers. Or they could say we don't need to do the school resource officers. But what this does essentially is go away with what the recommendation was. Isn't it interesting? What are they waiting for? Um, There's more pictures floating around the Internet with kids with guns on campus. I want you to think about this. We talk about these mass shootings and school shootings, and they're horrific, and I certainly don't wish them on any school in the Valley. We've got multiple pictures of students with guns on campus, kids with guns on campuses. What in the world are they waiting for? So, again, they, they are leaving all their options open, and they are doing their due diligence, and they're going to do studies, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. And in the end, we're talking about why wouldn't you have an armed police officer in a place where there's a lot of crime? The idea that more more good guys with guns, more death. Well, I mean, Circle K, QT, um, grocery stores, retail outlets, the Super Bowl, uh, the governor, the mayor of Phoenix, they all have details of people with guns to protect the people that are there. Um, the Super Bowl was loaded with them. Did that make you feel less safe when you saw cops with guns? It's a ridiculous idea. It is a, it, it's an absurd idea. Let's just be 100% honest. It's an absurd idea. And yet, they get away with it. Nobody is questioning them. Nobody is pushing them in a direction that says, be smart. They know better. They've got a political ideology that doesn't like the police. And so they think the police are bad people and they don't want them on their campuses. If you're a parent, if you're a taxpayer in the city of Phoenix that pays taxes at one of those schools, maybe you ought to make your voice heard about this. Maybe we should replace some of those board members that think the way they think. And the other part of this, the Washington Elementary School District, uh, months ago, they had one of their members who was perusing the Arizona Christian University website and found ACU statement of faith that says they believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Um, and that is what they believe. And so the Washington Elementary School District, their infinite wisdom, decided we don't like that statement of faith, so we are not going to renew our contract to allow your education students from your college to be in our classrooms. So here's a comment from a teacher on this. Uh, This is another story, this one from AZ Family. ACU students will once again be able to teach with the Washington Elementary School District. This comes two months after they initially voted to cut ties with the university, saying they didn't align with the district's beliefs. This prompted ACU to sue the district for religious freedom. This week, both sides agreeing to settle out of court and bring back student teachers. Parents like Ashley Minton glad this controversial event is finally over. So it was just mind-boggling to me that here we are in this nationwide teacher shortage and what's our first decision is to get rid of student teachers when there hasn't been an issue. Right. There's been no issue. By the way, that's the other part of this. There was never a complaint about one of the student teachers expressing their religious views in a classroom of elementary school kids about marriage. Let's start there. Here's the uh, more from this report and the statement from the Washington Elementary School District. The school district just releasing a statement not too long ago saying we are pleased 
pleased that the case against the WESD has been dismissed. We look forward to continuing the work of creating, welcoming, and accessible education spaces that meet the needs for of our students, staff, and community. Now, a part of this settlement, the district will also need to foot the legal fees, which is $25,000. Yeah, that was uh, that was a statement by Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. That's what that was. Uh, they're happy that, that it's dismissed. It was dismissed because you agreed to pay $25,000 in, met, in uh, legal fees. That's why that was dismissed. They knew they were going to lose, and they were going to lose big, and so they decided to quietly settle. But now these students are back in the classroom, and this is my other question about this. How does this happen in the first place? Imagine that. An elementary school district, elementary school, and because a college full of students that want to be teachers sign a statement of faith saying their personal belief is between a man and a woman. They break the contract and say, we don't like you. And then we call you bigots. ACU are the bigots here. That's why we want them gone. Really? They never said they wouldn't come into your classroom full of heathens, did they? You said you didn't want them on your campus, but it was ACU that's closed-minded. Just get the, the way they twist this around, the gaslighting by these people is absolutely mind-boggling to me. And I'll say it again. If you live in the Washington Elementary School District, find a candidate to run for those seats, run against the people that made this decision that cost you $25,000, and get new people on the school board. We can complain about it, but when are we going to do something about it? Something has to be done about this. Uh, The big story of the day, and it's obviously one we're going to talk about in the next hour of the show, is about the arrest of a suspect in the murder of a young woman on a hiking trail that's taken the nation by storm, and it's a sad story. We'll have more. Obviously, KTAR News is working on it. You're going to hear it in just a couple of moments in the news. But just after 11 o'clock, we spoke with a – we are speaking with uh, uh, Tim Kreiss, who is a assistant chief with Phoenix Fire. The story of an electric vehicle fire and how long and how what it took to put it out is the question. Are we equipped for these fires? It would be a great conversation next.